at what we found It's a big sound in a small town Far from the bright lights They're making music every night Hear what is all around It's a big sound in a small town It's a big sound in a small town It's a big sound in a small town Hi, and welcome to Big Sound Small Town. I'm your host, Sandy Carlton, and this is a podcast about the lives and stories of the musicians, writers, artists, and their associates that have their roots in the small towns and communities across America. If you like what you hear, tell somebody. Enjoy. Yeah. 
All right, we're good. Hey, everybody. My name is Becky Buller. I'm a fiddler, singer, and songwriter. Uh, from Originally from St. James, Minnesota, now living in Manchester, Tennessee. Oh, that's great, Becky. Welcome to the show. I'm glad to have you. Thank you. Uh, seemingly, um, well, wait. How did you get from Minnesota to Nashville? <laughs> well, uh got here by way of East Tennessee State University ah. in Johnson City, Tennessee. Okay. Well, that's good to know. See, that's something that I think is uh, missing that people do not know. So, uh, all right. 2020 has been a tough year for everyone, particularly in the music industry. But somehow you seem to um, thrive and, and <laughs> be real, really successful this year. You want to oh, You want to talk about 2020? It's completely the grace of God. Um, I give him all the glory. Um, it's um, It's been a different sort of year. It's been a year of incredible highs and incredible lows. Um, I got to uh, sit in with the First Ladies of Bluegrass, um, uh, uh, backing up Steve Martin during uh, a run of his, his and Martin Short's uh, comedy shows down in Florida back in January. And um, uh, got to play some shows with my band up till March, and then everything went crazy. Mm. And um, I've been home, I've been teaching, I've been writing, uh, released a new record in the midst of this. But um, but it's it's all been it. It might look slick on the outside, but on the inside, it's been just as crazy for me and my family as it has everyone else. I'm I'm sure, but you you have seemed to. Um have a very successful year. I mean, the record 
Uh, you want to promote it a little bit? It's uh, yeah. a distance and time. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. It's a brand new record. Uh, it's called Distance and Time. We chose that title before the world shut down. I swanny to goodness. <laughs> we really did. Uh, it's completely providential that, that we chose that title. It's a line from the song We Let Each Other Go. This is my third album on Dark Shadow Recording. And I'm proud to be working with those folks out of Goodlitzville, Tennessee, Stephen Mojan, Yana Mojan, really great people. Um, and it's doing pretty well on the charts. You haven't really spoke about that. Oh, uh, yeah, it, it is. It debuted on the Billboard Bluegrass chart at number nine. So yeah. we're really proud of that. And I've seen that there's singles released from it doing really well also. Yes really grateful for that um, especially the song more heart less attack that's gotten a lot of airplay and it's such a timely message for right now because we're so divided and it's a song about being a peacemaker and and bringing light and hope and life and love to your communities well we need and more I messages just, like that we, so. we we do we do so that's a need to breathe cover that we did on the new album. I hope you'll check it out. Oh, I will. I've, I actually have. I hope everyone that's listening will check it out. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, where did you record that at? We recorded it at Dark Shadow Recording in Goodlitzville, Tennessee. Okay, I, I didn't know if that was something you guys did from home or. Oh wait, you would have had that done though before. Um, you didn't do that during this. It was already. You'd already recorded it before COVID. <laughs> Right. We did, yes. That's great. Yeah, we, 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 I, we, I, we cut the last track for the record, which was uh, my cover of Woodstock, Joni Mitchell's song sure. Woodstock. And, and uh, it was myself and Jerry Douglas on that cut. Jerry, of course, playing dobro, and I'm playing claw hammer, banjo, and, and hollering. Um, <laughs> and uh, we, we cut that the day before the world shut down. Wow. That's just... You know, there is some providence to this or divine intervention, maybe, um, that that you were able to do this during this time. Uh, I was going to ask you, did you use your band on the... Um... We did, yes. We used my band on the bulk of the record, although we've got a lot of special guests. Um, my, my band is doing you know, most of the heavy lifting on the album. We've also got uh, the Fairfield Four came in and sang uh, Tell the Truth, Shame the Devil with us. Yeah. And uh, uh, the song Salt and Light includes beautiful harmonies by the Isaacs. Uh, Melanie Cannon came in to sing on We Let Each Other Go. And Ronnie Bowman sang a duet with me on uh, a song called You Come Around. So that was really fun. 16-year-old me was freaking out. <laughs> she, she got to sing with Ronnie Bowman. <laughs> and, and then, of course, the Barber's Fiddle, which uh, yep. that just won the 20, 2020 Collaborative Recording of the Year from the IBMA. And uh, that features my band along with, and, and we have 18 total fiddlers on that track. I have listened. It is. It's, it's really incredible. Um, and I'd like to <laughs> say that your band is pretty incredible also. Thank you. Yes, they are. And they're good guys on top of that. And they're so funny. And they make my job easy and they keep me laughing. And uh, so uh, can I mention who's in my band? Oh, uh, most definitely. Sure. 
so that's uh, Ned Lubarecki on the banjo, and he's your 2018 IBMA Banjo Player of the Year. We're so proud of him for that. Um, Professor Dan Boner, head of the East Tennessee State University Bluegrass Old Time and Country Music Program. He plays guitar with me. And Nate Lee on the mandolin. Nate's a 2015 IBMA Momentum Award winner. And then we've got Daniel Harden on the bass. Mm -hmm. And uh, Daniel... Uh, by day, he works at Jack Daniels in his hometown of Lynchburg, Tennessee. He's in the bottling plant there. Uh, but by night, they let him out to play music with us sometimes, that, and we really appreciate that. That is too cool. I, of course, well, that was one of the things I live in Shelby, North Carolina, which is banjo town. And everybody said, please ask about her banjo player. So this is Cleveland yeah. County. So. Yeah, Ned, Ned is, um, he's incredible. He's He's my favorite banjo player. Uh, he really is because he can do anything. He can play really progressive stuff and really traditional stuff, whatever the song needs. He can do it. And he's also an incredible teacher. He does a lot of private lessons, a lot of workshops. He wrote a curriculum for Alfred Music Publishing, and he also works with True Fire uh, to do a video series. He's sure. about to head down and do some more videos for them down in Florida coming up in a couple weeks. So uh, he's got lots of wonderful instructional material out there, and he's a fantastic DJ. Um, he's one of our favorite voices on Sirius XM Satellite Radio. Oh, that's really cool. All right, for all you Cleveland County banjo people wondering, there's the story that you've been asking about. Um, yeah, you know, this is run out of the Earl Scruggs Center. Um, I know, so, and so. that, you know, I am so proud that my, my banjo and my fiddle are pictured in the Earl Scruggs. I was going with that. Yes. What? Yes. They're, they're part of that interactive table that you you come in and you can, you can be part of a jam session. Well, if you choose claw hammer banjo, that's me. And, and if you choose fiddle, that's me. And, and, and they've got some beautiful pictures of my instruments in there. And I'm just so proud of that. I got to do that while I was working with Darren and Brooke Aldridge. Oh yeah. While we're on that, you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I, so in 2012, I was um, I, I I I took a break. I, I had played with Valerie Smith and Liberty Pike for 10 years, from 2001 to 2011, and um, and had got got married in in 2009 and kept touring. But then it got to the point where Jeff and I were hoping we could have kids, and and so I took a break from touring for a very short time, um, and and ended up, you know. Um, we were, we were able to have Romy, uh, our daughter. She's seven years old now. But um, when I was pregnant with her, <laughs> Darren and Brooke uh, needed somebody to fill in on the fiddle. And I, I said, well, I'll fill in with y'all. And they're like, well, you just want the job? And, and I, you know, I'm, I'm pregnant and kind of out of my mind. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> and, and I say out of my mind only because it was a long way to Cherryville, North Carolina, yeah, from Manchester, Tennessee. It, was, it is a long way. And, and uh, you know, you're supposed to, like, have a baby and get off the road right but I, I didn't do that um but anyway I enjoyed I, I want that to be very clear I enjoyed playing music with Darren and Brooke and singing with them especially it was so much fun because they're so good they are talented so, um, so I spent about two seasons with them and then I, I did this record uh I did the tween earth and sky record for dark shadow recording and and then my daughter started walking and my husband said we we've got to do something different here because it, we just, we just, you can't be running in North Carolina every other weekend. Sure. It's just too much for us. You, you need to make your own schedule. And so that's when I got painted into a corner and had to start my own band. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, it, um, obviously it was a I, good decision. I, it, it was, and I'm grateful now, but, you know, I was avoiding it because of all the stress uh, that I knew was associated with leading a band. Sure and, it is. And I didn't feel like I could do it, like I, that I was up for the task or that I would hold up. Um, but, you know, I, again, I'm just grateful that God has sent some really awesome people to play in my band uh, uh, over the past five years. And um, they've made my job easy. And I'm, I'm grateful to them for that. And I've enjoyed it very much. And I'm glad that folks are enjoying it, too, uh, what we do. And um, really, really appreciate getting to do what we do. Yeah, we always thought that um, Darren was the luckiest guy in the world when he landed you we were like what so <laughs> so you know I, I, we thought probably he m might have done something like um tied you up and threw him threw you in the trunk and brought you so i, I don't know <laughs> but i you know uh but no that I'm, I'm sure that was a good a good time darren is um kind of getting like doyle lawson in the fact that he seems to be uh, growing good musicians and sending them out yeah, in the world. So. Yeah, well, and he's and he's an educator too. You know, he he. I don't know if he's still teaching a lot of lessons, but I know he was. Oh yeah, yeah, I think and, he still and does. So he's got a heart for that. He actually leads um, uh, workshops for uh, the youth in the area in at, through the Earl Scruggs Center too. Sometimes. Okay. Okay. So, so yeah, he's, he okay. does pretty good with that. Well, all right. Let's go. You want to talk about the IBMAs? Sure. I mean, you only have like um, 100 awards, right? <laughs> Not quite 10. I've got 10 of them now. And I'm grateful for each one of them and, and, and humble. There's still a part of me that that is like, this can't be happening. <laughs> you know, well, because, because for so long I've idolized the people that win these awards and it's just surreal to me to be in amongst them well you know your awards are, are kind of varied too i mean you, you want to when did you get your first one um the first one was with the with the daughters of bluegrass back in 2006 okay mm -hmm. and that was for let's see what you know let me look I'm sitting right here in my music room. I've got to look. Because uh, I can't remember which album that was. Uh, Back to the Well. Okay. Mm -hmm. and, and so that was the first one you won? Yes. But then they kind of started rolling in. Like 2015 was huge, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, 2015 was, was, was pretty big. That was um, songwriter yeah. and uh, emerging artist yeah. and... And uh, recorded event of the year for Southern Flavor. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot in one year. Yes, yeah. And they're and they're different. They're different type of things. I mean, you know. Well, and and 2016 was even bigger because um, I I won a female vocalist and fiddler of the year, and I'm the only person to ever win in both vocal and instrumental categories, and the first female to ever win fiddle player of the year, which blows my mind because. You know, I'm I'm standing on the shoulders of people like Allison Krauss and Lori Lewis. Oh and I yeah. I can't believe that they never that they didn't win that award long ago. Well, I will tell you that um, at this moment, the world has a lot of good young female fiddle players. Oh yeah. I mean, I I see. Truthfully, I see 
more good female fiddle players these days than I do male fiddle players. I, I don't, so <laughs> yeah, I, there's some good ones coming up. Bronwyn Keith Hines, Ainsley Porchek, sure. uh, Laura Laura Orshaw, who's the first women woman to ever win the Spigma Fiddle Player of the Year award. Right. She's the reigning reigning fiddler there. Um, Deanie Richardson. I was Deanie, so proud yeah. that, she, that she won the Fiddle Player of the Year from the IBMA this year. She's a monster fiddler. She is. She mm-hmm. she really is. Well, now, um, then, let's see, this year was pretty good to you, too, right? Yeah, so this year, uh, we won Collaborative Recording of the Year for the Barber's Fiddle. Yeah. Um, and and then I also was involved in the Song of the Year Award. Uh, I co-wrote the Song of the Year um, Chicago Barn Dance with Missy Raines and Allison Brown. Of course, it was recorded by Special Consensus. Right. And uh, so that... Yeah, it's it's been a wild ride. I would say it has. I, I, okay, now while we're on, which of the which of those are you most proud of being songwriter, oh. female vocalist, or fiddle player? Or oh, I mean, my gosh, you're gonna make me choose. I, I don't know if I can choose. Um, It that, is hard. That, that is hard. I, I mean, I mean, the, the fact of the year, the year, I guess, uh, would probably have to be um, 2015, that 2016, maybe, that you're the most proud of. I don't know. That's hard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 2016 was the most, you know, historic of all right, of, the, right. uh, of the awards. So I, I guess we'll go with those two awards. Can I, can I pick two? Sure, you can pick two. Fiddler <laughs> <laughs> and female vocalist. And, and so, so I, I'm, I'm me, and um, and I I feel like I've I've got to really live up to that fiddle award, you know, um, which is crazy, but it's just just how I am. And and when it happened, my husband. So so I'm I'm a huge fan of Stuart Duncan, <laughs> who's not who, has, who not. has won that award many many times, you many. know. And and my husband, for, when I told him what happened, because he couldn't be there with me that night, he 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 said, "Well, Stuart Duncan never got female vocalist of the year." <laughs> <laughs> see, that's a that, see. You have something over him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. Oh, that's that's great. Um, I, I mean, has anyone won female vocalist of the year uh, since she did that and uh, the fiddle, other than Brooke? <laughs> um. Uh, no. Well, no. Let's see. Brooke has won it the last three years. Yeah. I'm so proud for her. She has such a beautiful voice. And it's just really great to see them getting the recognition that they are. And uh, they're getting to play the Opry a whole bunch. They do, yeah. I hope, I hope they get to become members. I do, too. Well, I, I think they're going back this weekend, actually. Mm-hmm. So they, they do play there a lot. Okay, okay then take, take me through the journey to from being a child in Minnesota to... Um, basically a bluegrass superstar. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, uh, my, my parents first heard bluegrass music when I was about five years old. We went to uh, an event called the Butterfield Threshing Bee in Butterfield, Minnesota. <laughs> and um, there was a man on the board, his name, uh, the board of the Threshing Bee, his name was Bing Hansen, and he was a bluegrass fan. And he uh, got them to include bluegrass music at this threshing bee. Uh-huh. And does it, do I need to explain what a threshing bee oh, is? Oh, yes, you do. <laughs> down here. Okay, so I'm from the upper Midwest, 
And, um, you know, a threshing bee was when these big, the, the big threshing equipment came in and they would, they would thresh the wheat. Um, and, and then they would move on to the next, next farm and do that for them. And, and, and anyway, it's just a celebration of old timey farm equipment and, and, uh, um, you know, the yesteryear. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So they had a, like they had a little kind of pioneer village there and they had demonstrations and making ice cream with an old steam engine and, and all this old threshing equipment, um, these big steam engines and, um, you know, there was a petting zoo and just, anyway, all this stuff. And then there was bluegrass music. So my dad heard the mandolin and he fell in love with it and, uh, ended up getting mandolin lessons. My mom played guitar already. So they, they joined another couple Gordian Roxy Schultz and they started a band called Prairie Grass. And they had that band until I graduated from high school Wow! and I wanted to sing with them. Um, and they said, you have to play something because this is a bluegrass band. That's how it works. Everybody plays something. <laughs> so I said, okay, you don't have a fiddle. I will play fiddle. Get me fiddle lessons. And they're like, yeah, right. Okay, whatever. And and they, they were also paying um, for piano lessons for me at that time. Um, looking back now, and, and you know, they told me a little bit more about what their finances were like at that point. It wasn't great. But somehow they always found money for lessons, for music lessons. So I took piano for 10 years. I took fiddle for, um, or I took violin lessons for about eight years in yeah. there too. Yeah, I'm sure there's not a lot of uh, Minnesota uh, violin, or I mean, Minnesota fiddlers. <laughs> well, yeah, especially in my area because I grew up two hours southwest of Minneapolis, St. Paul. Oh, so it's in the middle like of nowhere. Way, way out in the boonies, yeah. And you had to drive about an hour in any direction to find another bluegrass musician. It was always people that my parents age or older i'm sure um so it wasn't until i was about 16 that and i got to go to a uh the the uh, minnesota bluegrass old-time music associations festival that their summer festival and i met some kids from the twin cities that were my age that played and that really cemented me in pursuing the music and um so um but let's see, I, I, I did Suzuki Method Violin. I took from Patty Trias in Mankato, Minnesota. And then after I, I went as far as I could with her, and then I took a couple years of lessons with Charles Gray at St. Olaf College. If anybody's watched the Golden Girls, you've heard about St. Olaf College <laughs> <laughs> uh, in Northville, Minnesota. And I was in orchestra, uh, but my heart was really in the fiddling. That's really what I wanted to do. And so so Patty, my first teacher, would, would teach me some fiddle tunes on the side because she knew that's what I really wanted to do. And then I also picked up a lot of stuff off of records. Yeah. And uh, and Suzuki Method emphasizes ear training, which is so good. And you, you've got to have that as a bluegrass fiddler. You've got to be able to hear stuff and pick it up quickly and then improvise on it, which is another skill. You know, I just feel so blessed that I learned both the fiddle and the violin together. Oh, oh like I think that is really important both disciplines at the same time and i and it, i think it i know it helps me now as i'm trying to teach other people sure there's a local fiddle player here with a pretty successful band and he's what he did is he told um his band director i'll, I'll play violin but you have to teach me um uh fiddle tunes and the devil went down to georgia for me to stay in the in the orchestra or I'm out of here. Of course. You know? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so it did. I mean, and you know, he went through 
he threw the, his, all high school, all middle school playing in the orchestra, but then he was fiddling on the side too. Yep. So it's pretty important, I think, to get. Also, one of the things I see that you had, which is vitally important to musicians, is parental support. Oh, completely. Yeah. Um, I, I found out um, that, that my dad um, had really wanted, wanted piano lessons as a kid and his parents wouldn't get them for him because they thought it was something a girl should do. And, and so then it, it just, it makes sense that my dad was so supportive of me and and my brother with, with music lessons. Well, that is good. I mean, that's not everyone has that. So it make that, it doubles the, the, it's already hard to do music, but without support of your family, it's, it's doubly hard. Right. Everybody's wondering when you're going to get a job. Right. So. Yeah. All right. So somehow you got out of Minnesota. Yeah. So when I was six, when I was 16, I, um, um, Sandy, there's somebody at my door. Can oh. we edit this? Well, yeah, we can edit this. Hey, Mr. Edgar. Thank you. This is for Susie. I will. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. I, I can have all the supplies ready, and we can we can do it. Right. Thank you, Mr. Edgar. Bye. Okay, so I'm sorry, Sandy. That was Mr. Edgar Usselton. He's like 92 years old, and he makes the best pecan pies in the whole world. <laughs> oh, no, we're not editing that part out. This That's that's just too good. No, no, that stays. He's, he's, he's also a fiddle player. Oh, that's even better. Yes, and, and one more thing. He had a guitar that... Um, Legend has it was owned by Kitty Wells, and he sold it to Vince Gill. Oh, really? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, no, yeah. that's not. None of that's getting edited. No, no, that's not happening. Um, uh, one of one of my highlights is I had supper one night with Kitty Wells. Which, oh, really? Oh, yeah. When was that? It, uh, do what? I'm sorry, I missed that. When was that? Oh, that would have been in the '80s. Uh, she mm-hmm. was playing a place I was playing at and she was sitting there eating and I walked myself up and introduced myself and she said sit down and I sit down and talked with her and Johnny her husband who was uh-huh. yeah, he, Johnny yeah, Wright. yeah Johnny Wright and uh it was it was a fun evening then I was in the band that opened the show for him so mm-hmm. you know we it was it was a fun evening but it is one of one of the things that uh, a lot of people didn't get to meet Kitty Wells or Johnny yeah so I, right. you know, I guess that dates me as an old guy, but it was it was it was really cool. Uh, but also, I have to throw in here too that uh, another reason that I appreciate the guy coming by being a fiddler. <laughs> I'm also uh-huh. a fiddler. So, oh, nice. So it is. Um, yeah, I have a soft place in my heart for fiddlers. Bless their hearts. <laughs> yeah, I spent a lot of my time at Tommy Gerald's house. If you know who Tommy oh. is. Tommy was really influential on me because uh, we both, neither one of us have good intonation. (laughs) Tommy was a pioneer. Tommy's a great all-time fiddler, you know, and uh, I spent time going to his house and learning how to play with bad intonation. So, just like he did. So, uh, but there again. All right, let's get get back to the real story. (laughs) Okay. All right. So we're leaving Minnesota, I think. 
Yes. So when I was 16, um, there was an album that came out by the band Lou Reed, Terry Bauckham in Carolina. It was called Carolina Moon. Yep. And they got Jack Toddle, who was the director of the East Tennessee State University Bluegrass Old Time Country Music Program, to do the liner notes for that record because Marcus Smith, the bass player, had been through the program. Okay, yeah. And so I got excited when I saw that I could get credit for playing bluegrass music. And I told my parents, I'm going there. And they said, yeah, right, you're going to go there. That's so far from home. And I was really a homebody. And, and they said, I said, no, I'm, I'm going to do this. And so I finally convinced them, and we made a two-year plan to get me down to East Tennessee State. I did my, my freshman year of college and my senior year of high school together um, at Gustavus Adolphus College and because they, they have a, a program where you can do that in Minnesota right. called post, post-secondary option. And uh, so I got used to being away from home an hour you know, an hour away from home, and right. then I went 24 hours away from home the next year yeah. in nine, in 97, and um, um, it was I was homesick for maybe about a week until I started getting to meet people, and then I was, you know, and then I felt like I had found a new home because well, yeah. I, I was in amongst people that spoke my language. Yeah, that's cool, and, and the fact that it wasn't like you were going to a big city, going to Johnson City, which probably made it a little easier too. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I could have done Nashville like right out of college. Oh, yeah, I think that would long. have been too much for me. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. That's hard. Nashville's hard. Period. Yeah. Well, to this day, I, I, you know, I, I lived, I, I moved toward Nashville when I graduated from college. I took the job with Valerie Smith, and I lived in Nashville for just a few months. And then uh, went to Bell Buckle, Tennessee, because I, I was renting a room from Valerie, and she and her husband moved, and I just moved with them because I didn't know anybody right. at the time. So I rented a room from them for about two years before finding my own place. So, um, so yeah. To the, and to the, now I, I've, I've lived in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and then when my husband and I married, I moved to Manchester, Tennessee. So I'm about an hour out of Nashville, yeah. and, and my husband. He'll, he'll say, should we move closer to Nashville? You you go up there an awful lot. and But his work is here in Manchester. And um, and our support network is here. And, you know, this is a pretty good place to raise a kid. And, you know, people move to Nashville, but just as soon as they can, they move out. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's a paradox. You know, we get there, you have to go there, you have to spend a lot of time there. But just as soon as we can make it work, we're out of here, so... Well, and I, I can see advantages on both sides. It would be better to be in town. I would probably, you know, have more opportunities. Particularly as a songwriter, it. which we're going to talk about. But Well, but you know, I, my work is portable, and I can get to Nashville in an hour. Yeah. And, or I can, I can do, um, now with Zoom and Skype and FaceTime, I, can, I have lots of writing appointments that way. Yeah, I mean, I, that's, that is part of the new world that is... That is really good, and it's and it's mm-hmm. grown doubly during the pandemic too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. You want to talk about songs that you've written for other people too? Sure. Um, so Rhonda Vincent recorded one of mine called "Fishers of Men," and that's probably the most successful of any song I've ever written. And it's so simple. And I just remember writing it, walking across campus at ETSU, and just singing to myself, "Rise and follow me." I'll make you worthy 
rise and follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And uh, so Rhonda recorded it on, uh, let's see, I think, what was the name of the album? I can see the album cover in my head and I can't think of the name. She's actually recorded it twice. But so many people have covered it because of, yeah, of her cut. And um, so... Um, and it's easy for people to catch on to, and it 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 does. It really yeah. does have a. It sticks in your head. Right. Yeah. So, um, and and I there was a group out of Czechoslovakia or the Czech Republic that recorded that song, and they sent me their version of it, which was all in Czech, so I couldn't understand <laughs> it. I'm like, yeah, it sounds great. <laughs> but I just I'm I'm just amazed at how far that song, particular, but any of my songs, where where they've wound up and. And uh, it's such an honor, and I'll never get over it. You know, when when another artist likes your art so much that they want to make it part of their art, that is just the, the biggest compliment. I agree. That is one of the best things in the music business. I, I feel. Um, do you remember the first time you got one of your songs recorded by someone else? Yeah. So um, the the first time was was Becky Schlegel and True Blue. And I was playing with them for a few months right before I went down to East Tennessee State. And I didn't get to play on the recording, but uh, but they recorded a couple of my songs. And then the first national touring act to record one of my songs was, was Mark Newton with the song Charlie Lawson Still. Mm-hmm. And they made that the title cut of the record too. So, man, what a way to come out of the gate. Oh, yeah, was- I agree. That was in 2001. Yeah, it was also back when uh, royalty checks were still royalty checks. <sighs> yeah, as opposed well, to I these mean, days, it's, yeah. It's it's always been, you know, nickels and dimes for bluegrass music. True, this is true. Where, where that, all that's concerned. Yeah, I just had uh, Marshall Chapman. Do you know Marshall? You know uh, no. Okay, she's a, she's a Nashville person, but the first song that she wrote and had recorded was in the movie uh, Urban Cowboy. Oh, my and gosh. She was wow. saying that was a life changer for her. Yeah. Um, uh, so, and she said she had a number one hit that she co-wrote with three people just here recently. And, uh-huh. and that her royalty check from that was, well, actually her and Matresa Berg had written the song together. And they stole the idea from a Jill McCorkle book. So they okay. called. So they called her up and said, "Hey, we're going to make you a co-writer because we stole your idea," and it went to number one. And she said that uh, they got like three thousand dollars a piece, where or the Urban Cowboy one was just huge. Wow! So so it, it, um, it's changed over the years. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, but you're right. Poor bluegrass musicians, some of the finest musicians in the world, yet. Royalty checks, yeah. Yeah, you, you got to do it because you love it. Well, you got to, you got, you know, you have to, you have to love music to do it. Period. I, I, there's no way around it. If you're in it for anything but the music, you're gonna be badly disappointed. But absolutely. So, what do you have in the works right now? Well, um, making the rounds talking about the new record that's right. the main thing um and uh trying to get with the label to start talking about the next album right and have you written a lot during this time uh well early on in the pandemic i i did write a whole lot and i've got to get back to it i got kind of i had to side sideline the um 
the writing for a little bit, which I hate to do. I love writing so much and, and I just feel so good when I'm writing, but, um, I, I needed to get back to teaching a little bit to help pay the bills sure, here at the house. And, yeah. and, and so I've been doing that a couple of days a week and then also, you know, gearing up for the release of this record, you know, and, and I, I, I've needed to, to, um, do a lot of, interviews and things surrounding that and then of course i have a seven-year-old daughter who needs her mama right and that that is my main gig i'm romy's mama that's my that, that's my uh, uh that's the title i'm the most proud of yeah i understand mama. that totally totally yeah um yeah i saw you were in owensburg um yes well, I can't, I can't talk much about that, but uh, be on the lookout okay. for more information about that coming, I think, in January. Did Oh, oh I'd be amazed this year. Since you, How did that happen? For, I mean, how did you do that? I know my listeners would like that. You couldn't go to Raleigh, so. Yeah, so that was all virtual. Um, we had to record our acceptance speeches at home. I actually went to Dark Shadow Recording Studio and recorded mine. And, uh, and then nobody knew, you know, they had everybody submit their acceptance speech, and then we found out that, you know, the night of the award show, of course, who won. Uh, they filmed the award show uh, at the Ryman. Oh, okay. And I, yeah, I got I did to see be that. part yeah. of that. I, um, uh, Allison Brown, Missy Raines, and I played for the In Memoriam part where they, they list all the people we've right, lost right. throughout the course of the year. And then um, I got to sitting with special consensus uh michael cleveland and i played double fiddles on chicago barn dance yeah that's I got to cool. be part of that too that was fun yeah i'm sure it was um yeah that's uh also at some point down the line didn't you have something with the infamous string dusters that maybe was a went to like a grammy deal yes so that was uh the, the string infamous string dusters won the 2018 uh bluegrass grammy and I had a co-write on there with uh, Jeremy Garrett, and I wrote a song called Freedom. And then um, uh, I co-wrote the song The Shaker on the Traveling McCurry self-titled release that won the 2019 Bluegrass Grammy. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that one. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is which is another cool thing. I mean. Very cool. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love, I love writing with Alan Bartram. I wish we could do it more. He's so good. Yeah, that's... Uh... Well, one of the things I noticed is you co-write, but you do not have a co-writing team. You don't have a team. <laughs> That's big oh, well, these I, days. Yeah, I yeah I have people that I write I co-write with a lot, um, like uh, Rick Lang and uh, John Weisberger. Right. And um, oh gosh. Um, okay, talk my people. Talk my people through a songwriting session like that. I think they're clueless. I think they think it comes in the window. Uh, it kind of does. It does sometimes. I agree. Yeah. Well, um, like Rick Lang and I, we will write via Skype, but sometimes we'll write up at Daywind uh, Music in, um, oh gosh, where is that? Hendersonville, I believe. Okay. Um, it, but see, Rick is from New Hampshire, so he comes into town a few times a year. And, and schedules a bunch of writing appointments. So that's really fun to actually be in person writing. Um, but writing on over the computer works too. Yeah, it um, does work too, yeah. But, but yeah, we come into the writing appointment, we get coffee, and we 
start throwing around ideas. We talk about what's going on in our respective worlds, and sometimes that'll spark an idea, or maybe we'll pull out our list of ideas. I keep a running list on my phone do you, do of you, song, do you song have ideas. Do you have an instrument that you write with normally? I bring a guitar to the writing sessions, or right. sometimes I'll bring a fiddle, but honestly, I don't like to pick up an instrument too early in the process because right. I find that my fingers follow familiar paths. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that's some <laughs> of the best at writing advice anyone has uh told me during this time that's great well and, and i can't i can't claim that as my own that that's actually from john hartford <laughs> yeah one of my very all-time favorite <laughs> people yeah yeah so i i like to write the song and then figure out what i did and i've actually learned chords because of that because i had to figure out what i did <laughs> well what chord will fit here now yeah right yeah yeah I know, that's cool i mean that's great that's great I, i'm glad you shared that uh you know, you've had some real enlightening parts. One, one last thing, too, is were you, you know, when you first started getting some success, were you in awe of, of the bluegrass musicians you were around, or did it just flow kind of easy with you? You know what? I'm still in awe of the bluegrass musicians I get to hang around with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm and, they, and I have to. I, I, I have to, I, I, I sometimes have to pull myself back and say, come on, Becky, these are your peers. I, you know, sure. I have to like, like literally consciously remind me, myself of that because I'm such a fan and I have been my whole life. I was thinking about you and Michael Cleveland uh, oh, yeah. fiddling that. And I'm thinking, I don't, I don't know that I might be too nervous to do that, you know, and I'm not a nervous person. So man, he, he is a monster. I, he, he's, Gosh, he's good. He is so good. He is so good, yeah. Oh, he yeah. Is. So, I mean, you know, there's times I just wondered if that, obviously it does not bother or intimidate you at all, so that tells me that you're um, pretty I just confident. Do my, I do my best to not let the intimidation show. Uh, well, you do a good job. I mean, you do a really <laughs> good you. job at it. It's, uh, Thank you. You know, so what else do I need to know, Becky? Oh, man, I don't know. If people can, uh, please check out my website. It's BeckyBuller.com. Buller is spelled just like it sounds. B as in boy, U-L-L-E-R, BeckyBuller.com. And uh, you can get uh, both digital and physical copies of my new record there. And uh, also we've got T-shirts and uh, we've got neck neck gaiters, you know, those, those sure. masks. Mm -hmm. You can get those with our logo on it. That's new on the website. Um and of course, all the music and the bluegrass cookbook is on there. Um, oh yeah, let's talk uh, about that. We didn't talk about that. No, well, yeah. So I'm part of the uh, Cooking with Grass Volume One and Volume Two that was put out by Becky Cantrell, and um, I've got Volume One on the website, and I need to get Volume Two up there as well. So you just contribute a recipe? Yeah. I did. Uh, in the first book, I contributed my grandma's roll recipe and, um, and a pie crust and an apple pie uh, that's recipe. So, that's so Midwestern. <laughs> that's just, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> that's and great. Then, and then in the second one, I, I contributed my sister-in-law's brown, uh, healthy brownie recipe, uh, I don't... I. Which is which makes me laugh because I don't. There, how can brownies be healthy? Exactly, but, a healthy brownie. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It, but, and then, um, um, 
my uh, a rhubarb recipe from a neighbor of mine growing up in Minnesota. Yeah, Bernice Olson. Yeah. Yep, that's all Midwestern, no doubt. Yeah, rhubarb is very Midwestern, and I I geek out about rhubarb because it's hard to find down here. Yeah, I think it is. I've been trying to grow it. I've I've actually for the last two years I've kept some rhubarb plants alive. So this next season I should be able to use them if they come back. I can use them. That's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, because uh, it is hard to find. I, I'm a pretty hard gardener, and that's not it, something I've grown. It's it's too warm down here now. Apparently, it used to grow everywhere down here mm-hmm. back when my father-in-law was a kid. Uh, but um, in the 40s and 50s, you could find it. And I've heard you can find it in the mountains. Like Brooke Aldridge told me that they had it growing up there where she's from. Yeah, they probably did. They, they yeah. She lives up there in Ginsengville, which... It doesn't uh-huh. grow anywhere in Rampville. I mean, you know, uh-huh. they, you know, yeah, they grow a lot of stuff up there uh, uh-huh. that doesn't grow anywhere else very well. But, yeah. But uh, I see, have we covered everything? I'm trying to think of anything else. Um, no, please, once you go to our website, it'll get you to our social media pages. And please check that out because we've got a lot of fun stuff going on on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And um, we've got a, a special contest that's going to be happening really soon here. I'm not going to say any more about it, uh, but it's going to be fun, and you'll w- want to take part in it. And so that's going to happen on our Facebook page. But you can get to all of that from BeckyBuller.com. And also there are videos of the band on there. You can get lyrics for my songs. Um, find out where we're playing, which right now we don't have any show dates on there, but we're booking for 2021 and beyond. And looking forward to being back on the road with everybody. And, um, and and until we can get back on the road, I've been doing live streams. So just check my social pages for those. That sounds good. I only have one last question. Is it hard sure. being a band leader? Is it hard to be a band leader? Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> I mean, because especially I'm such a people pleaser. I want everybody around me to be happy and having a good time. Um when when people join the band, I always tell them, okay, here's this. I want to make good music with good people, for good money, have a good time, and then go home. And that's it. You know, you know I don't want I don't want drama. Yeah. Um, I just I just want to have a good time. And so far, it's been it's been wonderful. And and everybody that has come into the band has done a great job of holding to that. And um, but still, especially like so so you know. Most of my shows canceled for right. this year. There were a couple holdouts and some things that that I had to cancel because of personnel stuff. Because some of my band was willing to go and some of them weren't. Yes, I play in a band and, like and that gotta, myself. Got to respect it all, and you know, then trying, uh, you know, trying to find people that I, I was like, well, do I do I plug in players and try to put something together? Well, then how do we rehearse? Where can we rehearse where we, we can be socially distant enough? Right. To it, it just just it's just been all sorts of decisions that i've had to make and and there's no good answer for any of them <laughs> right now so that drove me kind of crazy i'm sure, um, I'm in, sure in the last few months but um just trying to take it a day at a time and um i'm looking forward to getting back to picking with the guys i, I think actually, every, i actually think everyone have, is i actually have a band rehearsal tomorrow i appreciate my church is letting me uh, get together with the guys there so we can spread out and yeah. not, you know, 
not feel like we're on top of each other there. We're just, you know, enough room to be six feet apart and play music. (laughs) Yeah, I do. Trust me, I do understand. Well, it sounds like that possibly you'll come out of this as an even stronger band leader because um, you've oh, had more so. diff, diff, you know, different problems than anyone's had in the past. So, Yeah, shoo. Oh, my word. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I do thank you for taking the time to do this. Thank uh, you, Sandy. I, I appreciate I, you having me. I think that you enlighten the world to the new world of bluegrass. Um, I live in an area where they're pretty familiar with the old world of bluegrass, uh-huh. but it's changed so much. And I think you've been a really good guide into the modern world of it. Well, thank you. And so, I, I love it. I love all branches of the bluegrass family tree. Um, I can't imagine me doing anything else other than getting to pick and sing. That's wonderful. Again, thank you so much, Becky. Well, thank you, Sandy. All right. heavy, burdened by the past. Do you wrestle with those demons every night? Honey, cause your choices caught up with you at last. My friend, there's just one way to make it right. Tell the truth, shame the devil. Shame the devil. You gotta tell the truth and shame.
rendezvous.